0: I think that you had a great New Year's coming up, and um, this morning we're going to be talking about something a little bit different, but we think about all the time that we serve a big God, we serve somebody that's magnificent and huge and omnipotent, and He is, but this morning I want to talk with you about little Jesus, little Jesus. In a world that's covered up with so much technology, um, everything has a front. It has to be big, it has to be accessible, it has to be um, something that... Everybody can get to, and it seems in today's world that something that's small, something that's little, it sometimes seems that it's, um, a lot of times we call it insignificant. We don't find it as important. You know, this past Christmas, the top gifts on the list had nothing to do with getting a sweater for Christmas or getting an orange. Anybody used to get oranges in their stocking? How about pecans? Did you ever get pecans or walnuts? Nick, turn me down a little bit, bud. I, I would venture to say that that's not what was on the top of the, the gifts this year. More like the, the Kindle, the new Kindle, Kindle Fire, or the iPad, or uh, maybe something for the car. There's a lot of big things that go on the list for Christmas. But in our world today, in America, we're more concerned about fast internet, better gas mileage, and uh, the, the best deal that we can get, like going to Walmart. How much can I get for the, uh, the smallest amount of money that I can pay? But you know, we do serve a God that is omnipotent. We serve a God that is all knowing. He is big. He is powerful. He is mighty. And He is the one with His own voice that set the whole world into motion. We do serve a God that is like that. He is that big. But also, I think that as humans, a lot of times, we like to make everything big so we don't have to worry about the small problems inside. We like to have the bigger TV, we like to have the bigger house. We like to have the bigger banking account. And we like everything to look good, smell good, wear deodorant and perfume and cologne. I don't wear perfume, but we put on all the things to make the outside look great because a lot of times we have a hard issue dealing with things that are small on the inside. He is a big God this morning, church. And we think that if everything around us is big and grand too, just like God, then we don't have to worry about the things that are going on that really matter. We don't have to deal with the family issues if we we give a lot in our tithes. We don't have to deal with uh, the hurt and the pain that we feel inside because of loneliness if we wear the smile on the outside. Okay? But hold this thought in mind this morning, that a lot of times, just because everything looks big and grand, doesn't mean that it's it's cut out to be what it looks like. And just because in our lives we try to make everything... Look just wonderful, it doesn't really mean that um, a lot of times on the inside we're actually hurting. All right? Keep that in mind. This is not one of those sad messages. It's actually a great message about Jesus. So, your title this morning of your sermon is Little Jesus. Pray with me. Father God, this morning we love you. We thank you. Lord, we are so happy that you would give us an opportunity. And just like the last song that we sang, Lord, it is so great to be a part of the family of God. This morning, Father, I just pray that your word. It comes out, it comes clear, and Father, I just pray that somebody receives a blessing this morning, and maybe that by the end of the time here that we share together, Lord, they'll say, that was for me. Lord, we love you, we thank you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Turning your Bibles this morning with me to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Now, you may be thinking, oh boy, this is a Christmas message, and it is kind of, it's right along the same scriptures, but I want to share something maybe a little bit new with you, Okay. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. The word of God says this And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Corinthians was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David which is called Bethlehem, because this was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now we know that story. It's been displayed many times. We've read it a lot. We've had children's stories about it. We've had sermons on it. But let's kind of look at it in a different way this morning. A decree was set forth for every man, every woman, every family to go back to their birthplace, to go back to their home lineage, to their hometown, so they could put out a census because they want to see how many people were there and who had to pay what taxes. So everybody, every family from different backgrounds going back to their hometown. And here you have Joseph. He's a carpenter from Nazareth, and he is engaged to his wife, Mary. They're not yet married, but she's with child. She is pregnant. And so, while they're on their way, which, by the way, from Bethlehem to Nazareth, the travel they were going to Bethlehem was 70 miles. And just so you know, they didn't have Dodge Caravans or Tahoes, so there was no putting in four-wheel drive. They were actually walking and on camel, and they were making the journey 70 miles. And if you were booking it back then, you can make 20 miles in one day if you were booking it. But she was pregnant, so I wouldn't even venture to say it was that much. So as you can see, they were on a long journey, and it was rough. All right, And they get to their destination, and they're ready to get a place where she can at least have a bedroom or somewhere to have the emergency room so she can have her child. And there's not even a place there for her to be, for so she can have her child. And so while they were going on their journey. They were just engaged. She was pregnant. Everything just looks really bad. She has nowhere to go to have her, her baby. And when Jesus, the Son of God, when it was destined time for Him to be born, He was not in a, a beautiful place. He was not in somewhere that was very lovely. The only thing great about this, this place that He was born in, to be born in a stable, was the smell of horse manure. And the only visitors that that Jesus would receive there were the animals that were there in his same bedroom. And instead of being placed in a cradle, somewhere lovely, Jesus was placed in a feeding trough. Our image of Christianity, a lot of times, it has to be big. It has to be magnificent. It has to be grand. It has to be, and I put this in quotations, perfect. But even our Savior, Jesus, the night of his birth, there was nothing magnificent, There was nothing grand. It was simple. It was humble. And Jesus was placed in a feeding trough. The king of the universe. Now that's not where the story ends, so don't worry. While it may be true that Jesus' birth was something simple and something small, something very direct, even though that time there in that stable was very quiet, there was something really great going on all around the land. And that's what we're talking about this morning, okay? Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Listen to this, verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into the heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Listen to this. Let us now go. Say that with me. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. All right, church. This is number one. Even though it was in a small manger and a small stable that Jesus was being born, it caused some people to go search. Some people were searching. You know, Joseph was a working class man. Mary was quite possibly a young teenage girl. And they weren't even married, but somehow Joseph is in the place that his wife is with child. And here you have shepherd men. They're in the fields doing their job, just like Brother Chad. He's out there with the, doing his milkman thing. And Brother Howes, he's climbing a tower working. They're in their normal job site. And then you have King Herod. He has received news that something big is going on. And here he is. He's king. He holds that position. But he's told that something new is going to come in and take place. And then back to Joseph. He's, mar- he's not even married yet, but he's in love with a woman. He is, they become engaged, and he wants to give his life and his heart to her. And she's pregnant. There's a lot of drama going on right now. There's a lot of things going on. But we'll start with the shepherds. Here they were. They were in the field. They were watching their flocks. They were doing their job. They were creating livelihood. It's quite possible that some of them had families back home. They were doing what it took to make some money. And they were taking care of their their, uh, livestock. And when all was quiet, all was normal, it was a normal night with normal stars in the sky, everything was how it always is, something happened. Now, thanks to Louis Giglio, he is... Uh, he does uh, seminars and he does um, different kinds of um, preaching and he does different kinds of messages. I watched one of his videos and he brought to life in this mind. I didn't know this, but it had been 400 years since anybody had even heard God's voice. It had been 400 years since a prophet had ever shot, shown foot on the, the earth. It had been 400 years since anybody had audibly heard God's voice. It had been 400 years since anybody had received something new of the Lord. So it's quite possible these shepherds were here. They knew the old stories. They knew about how God used to work when he would deliver the Israelites. They knew how he was a God, that he had people in his life like David and uh, Noah and Jonah. They knew those stories, but they had never seen anything like that in their life. And here they are taking care of their livestock. And all of a sudden, I want you to imagine, if you're retired, if you're working full-time, if you're in school... It's a normal day, and all of a sudden, the sky goes bright. And there are angels. You've never heard of God. You've never heard His voice. You've never seen anything new happen. There is no Christian church. You've just been living your life. It's been dark and quiet. And the sky lights up. These men, it had been 400 years since they had heard of anything. No miracles, no prophets, no preachers. And these men had lived there whole life in the reality of the possibility that maybe God's just forgotten about us maybe God is just he's got better things going on right now but then the angels show up and they say praise God and they're singing and as he looks down as the angels look down and they look up he says peace to earth goodwill toward all men this night to you there is a son born and so what do they do They said, guys, we've got to go. We've got to find this miracle. They began to search. Some were searching. In your Bibles, you turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. I know we're bouncing around a little bit different. We're not used to it. But Matthew chapter 1. I don't know if you know this, but the Christmas story, it's all over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we're having to bounce. But Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, the Word of God says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Back to Joseph. Here he was engaged, ready to give everything about himself, financially, his love. He was ready to give this girl a new life, And all of a sudden, she becomes pregnant. Can you imagine what was going through his mind? Put yourself in his shoes. Anger. Regret. Hurt. He wasn't understanding. He didn't know what to do or what to say. But all he knew is that the woman that he loved had somehow found in herself to cheat on him. But then God steps into the picture. And he says, and get this, your future wife is pregnant. She's a, she has somebody else's child in her stomach. And then you, in a dream, have an angel appear to you and say, I know it hurts. I know you're not understanding right now. But for this short time, let me work. Let me be God, and you see what happens. Men, would you be able to handle that? Your future wife is pregnant with somebody else's child. And here you have an angel show up to you in your dream and say, it's going to be all right. It's from the Holy Spirit. Joseph was at one point, I'm sure, unbelieving. He didn't know why. He couldn't understand. But what it would take was God's voice to be calm and to be bright. And through the pain, he had to open up his eyes. And Joseph had to understand that God was doing something big. Now Matthew, maybe the same page, Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to this time when he had determined from the wise men. This is a different story. you got shepherds in a field. They're out there doing their job. They're being um, the shepherds that they've always been. Something bright happens. Joseph is engaged to his, uh, into his future wife, and she's pregnant with somebody else's baby. King Herod, he is the king of over all the land, and he's been in that spot for a while now, and somebody tells him that there's going to be a child born that's going to take his position. And so within himself, he has wise men come to him, and he says, I want you to go out, and I want you to find this child. And I want you to reveal to me his location because I want to go and praise him. Some people were refusing. King Herod refused to have somebody else to take his position. So when the king heard the news of this new king, he was outraged. He was not going to go from a myth. Remember, 400 years since any prophecy had been made. Now, it's quite possible that he knew that in the Old Testament, that it was coming. He knew from the prophets of Isaiah that there was a new king to come and arise. But he wasn't going to be going based on that. All he thought in his mind was, there's not going to be a way that somebody is going to come in and take my position. So not only did he fight the idea, but he fought the idea with force. He actually sent out, and he had all children, two years and younger, killed, just to make sure that his line of lineage was secure. So he killed these hundreds of children, quite possibly thousands in this area, to let someone else, so no one else could take his spot as being king. But little did he know that one day that this child that he was trying to kill would become his king. So you have shepherds in a field. You have Joseph that is quite possibly outraged. And you have King Herod that has been told that, yes, you're the king, but there's somebody else been born that's going to take your position. There's a lot going on, church. Matthew chapter, 20, uh, excuse me, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born of the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. In the midst of all that was going on, there were some people there at that very time. There were wise men. There were shepherds in the fields at that time. And all they knew is what was something that was crazy was going on. They began to search. There was Joseph that in the the middle of his pain, in the middle of his not understanding, all he knew is that he was just unbelieving. He didn't understand what was going on. And then you have King Herod. He has had somebody tell him that there's going to be somebody else to take your position. He was refusing. And then you have these wise men. The Bible says they went to give. Some were presenting. So in the midst of all that was going on, they went through sure moments that these are the same men that we just read. They were before King Herod. And they had been told to go and find this baby. And that King Herod wants to worship him. So they have a decision to make. One, why are we looking for this baby? Are we going to look for the Son of God to worship Him for ourselves? Two, what are we going to do when we find this baby? Are we going to report back to King Herod and tell him where he's at? And three, why are we doing this? It's quite possible that if we could get all the way here and we present our gifts and we worship this new baby king that's one day going to be our deliverer, We're in the place that we have to show loyalty to our future king, but we have to show loyalty to our past king. What do we do? Why are we here? And then as you know, the story goes. A lot of people didn't understand that in Isaiah, the Bible was clearly talking about this king to come was not a king that was going to step up and have the government on his shoulders in a physical form. We know that as Christians that Jesus came. He was in a humble birth. He lived a humble life. He lived a ministry out, and then he died on a cross that he did not deserve. We know that Jesus, he, was, he did come as a king, but not a king in the way that a lot of people had hoped. A lot of people wanted a knight in shining armor. A lot of people wanted an apocalypse kind of look of a man riding in on a white horse to save them. A lot of people, just like King Herod, thought this man, this, this baby was born to become a man that was going to take his throne from him. But church, I would love to show you in God's Word this morning that according to Him, if we will be just like these people. Some of them were unbelieving, just like Joseph. Some of them were searching, just like the shepherds. Some of them were in the midst of everything that was going on. They were refusing. They didn't want you know, this to happen. Some of them, just like the, the wise men that were traveling, They went to present gifts to Jesus. But in the Word this morning, John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14, verses 22 and 24. The Word of God says this, And Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us? And not to the world. Jesus answered, In John chapter 14, verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. Listen to this. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And he will come to him and make our home with him. But he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine but the fathers who sent me. This morning, here's what God's saying. He says, I'm giving you a word. I'm giving you something new. I'm giving you something that you're going to have to make a decision about. What is that? One, a baby did come. He was born in a manger. He did come in a humble form. But that same baby did grow. And when that baby, when he became a young boy and he became twelve, we read in the stories that you found him, he was asking questions and he was teaching. And then as he grew, his first miracle, as we even talked a little bit about in Sunday school class this morning, he made water into wine. And he showed his first example of a miracle. And he went on to heal. He went on to open up new light. He went on to show the people the glory of God. And there's a lot of times that he found opposition. He found people that they didn't understand what he was talking about. They didn't understand why he had come and what he was doing. But clearly, there were some people that, just like the shepherds 30 years ago from that time, they were just ready to search. They just wanted to know, what what does he have to teach us? What does he have to show us? Some people at that time, while Jesus was in his ministry, they began to search. They followed after him. They longed after his every word. They spent day and night with him. And then you had some people, like the Pharisees, they just had it. They were like, there's no way. They refused it. There's no way that this, this guy from Nazareth, the son of a carpenter, was going to come in and teach them or show them what religion was all about. There's no way that we're going to spend 30 or 40 years learning in a way that we have come to this stature in society, that we have, are people that we, we know the Word, we know the Old Testament, we know God's laws. There's no way there's going to be somebody to come in and tell us anything different. They were refusing. Now, you had some people that were like Joseph that <laughs> they just didn't know what was going on. It's like, how is it that we've spent our whole life and we've never even heard from God, but all of a sudden this man comes in and he says that he's the son of God. He says that he's here to, to take us to a, a different home one day, that he wants to give us a new life. How's he going to do that? He's a carpenter's son. He's man, he's flesh, he's bone just like us. How is he going to do that? Some people, just like in, in Joseph's part, they were, he, they were unbelieving. It was like, there's no way. There's no way that this is possible. And then you had some people that all they knew is that here's this new guy, here's this guy that's telling us that there's a a different plan that God has, there's a different way that God wants to show us. And all they knew is that they were supposed to present him something. Some of them decided to present their life to him. They said, Lord, we're going to follow you wherever you go. (laughs) They're like, Lord, when you eat, we're going to eat. When you climb up the mountain to pray, we're going to climb up the mountain to pray. And we don't know, but when there's storms in the waters and everything's going crazy, if you're going to get out of the boat and walk, we're going to get out of the boat and walk. They were just ready to present. And then, Jesus, the king that they had longed for, the man they knew was gonna, that was going to deliver them from hardship, that was going to deliver them to a new government, to a new system, instead of being the king that they expected to stand up in shining armor, in great glory, They followed him. They've listened to him. They put their faith in him. He's taken away by Roman soldiers, and he is beaten and spit upon. And all these people that have trusted in him and expected him to be something great, they see their Lord killed before their face, hung on a cross, and they were defeated. There's like, there's no way that we've spent the last three years of our lives putting our faith and our trust in Him. Financially, we put all of our money just so we could sell everything, pack up everything, and follow Him in His ministry. We've been in the desert. We've been in the cities. We went even through Samaria. Like, who, who even does that? The nastiest place on earth. We went through there with Him. Everything that we've had in the last three years has been solely about serving Him. And now He's dead. What do we do with that? So three days, you know the story, sure. It was hard, it was long, it was rough. But something great happened, amen? Jesus, He was resurrected. He came back to life. And then once again, they're like, He's back. Like, we serve that God. I mean, He's the guy that was just killed and put in the grave. He's back. He's powerful. Now, there's not going to be any way that He's not going to show up in that armor and come in on that horse and He's going to save us. But no, no. Jesus spent 40 more days teaching them about what was to come, that he was going back to heaven. You're going back to heaven and leaving us here? We spent our whole life following you and serving you and you're leaving? He says, I'm going to give you a comforter. I'm going to give you a Holy Spirit. You're telling me that I spent my whole life following you and you're going to send a a ghost to come and live inside of me. Now, we don't look at the Scripture like this a lot of times, but the Scripture is great, the stories are great, But what were these men actually thinking? What were these disciples actually thinking? What were these families that sold everything that they had just so they could follow Jesus? What were they thinking? And they've seen their their Savior get killed and put in the ground and then come back to life. And they're expecting Him to be something great. And then He says, I'm going back to heaven. How would we feel? We're, We're actually the aftermath of all of this. There's some people that live through the hurricane. We're the ones after the hurricane. We're just trying to do the cleanup, right? We're just just seeing what happened. We're not the ones that live through it. But I can assure you this. Some people at that time, they were searching. They were searching for the answers. They were like, okay, Jesus, three years we've done this. We saw you die. We saw you raise again. You went back to heaven. All I know is that we're going to search for your will. We're going to search for what you want. And I'm sure that along with the searching, there were some people right there, they were refusing. There's no way that this guy's going to come in and tell us all these good things that are going to happen and he's going to get killed and put in the ground and he's going to come back to life and he's not going to deliver us, he's not going to become our king and he's going to to ride up in a cloud back in the sky. What's up with that? They refused him. And then you have some people that all they knew they were going to do is they were going to present. They were going to present their time. as like, okay, we trust Him. We're going to present our time to Him. We're going to search and give Him everything about us. There were some people that was like, okay, you know, there's a new church that needs to be started. Um, You may remember in Acts chapter 1, a new church in a day was, it just was created. People by the thousands came to know Christ. We're going to give our money. We're going to present our money. There were some people that understood now that that this church, there's going to need to be people that were played the role as deacons to to kind of you know be there to make sure things went how they were supposed to. There were people that understood there was a need for preaching. The gospel had to go out. Okay, everything's a little bit crazy right now, but we're going to present our gifts. God gave us the gift to speak, so we're going to do that. And then there were some people that they were just unbelieving. They didn't know what to think. They saw this man come and live and die and be put in the ground and go back up. And some people say that we're supposed to follow him. Some people say that maybe he was just another prophet. Maybe some people say he just went back up in the sky because he doesn't care. Some people were just unbelieving. Now, here's the new scenario. It's modern day. It just turned 2012. We know these stories. We know these things that we consider as Christians to be history. But even this morning, in our sanctuary, there's some of us in here this morning that we're just not really sure. Some of us are searching right now. We're searching for the answers to our problems. We're searching for the healing that needs to happen inside of our bodies or inside of the body of a loved one. There's some of us here this morning that, you know, just like how I introduced the message that... It's been about the big screens and the big cars and the big banking account and the big job and the big retirement fund. Everything's been about being bigger and better, but inside you're still feeling small, insecure. Everything's been about you for a long time. Everything looks great on the outside, but on the inside you're still hurting. You're still searching. Some of you this morning in here, you come to church, you're here every single week, You hear Brother Bill's message. You're hearing this message this morning. You maybe even showed up on Wednesday nights to be at CIA. You've seen people do stuff with the children, but inside really you're just unbelieving. You don't really know what in the world, anything about a God or a Jesus or a Holy Spirit has anything to do with you. But you've been searching. You've been coming. You've been listening to the preacher. But really, you're still unbelieving. Maybe this morning... You've been doing what you're supposed to. And you've been presenting. You present your time. You gave your offering this morning. You present all of your good works. When we have grow happening, you go and visit. You go out. But this morning, maybe you've been doing all those things you've been presenting, but you haven't been given everything about you. Those have just been good works. And maybe this morning, to wrap it all up, Maybe you're in the position this morning, you're like King Herod. You're like, there is no way that somebody's going to come in my life and start telling me what to do. There's no way that somebody's going to come in my life and start telling me who I need to be. I'm not going to change the way I dress. I'm not going to change the way I act. And I'm definitely not going to change the way that I sing. There's no way. Church, I want to leave you on this note. Whether this morning you're searching, you're unbelieving, You've been presenting, or you're just simply refusing. You're saying no. I want to think about King Herod. Let's think about him for one second. Everything that he did, all the children that he killed, all of the guards that he sent out, all the soldiers that went out, it was left with one thing. In the end, King Herod died. Jesus Christ, even though he died also, he rose again. So this morning, I'm not asking for a huge altar call. I'm not asking you to change anything about the way that you usually do things. But I am going to ask you this. If you were unbelieving this morning, what's holding you back from putting your faith in Christ? If you're searching this morning, what's holding you back from searching and looking for the very first time to this cross and what that emblem really means? How a Savior died for you. And this morning, if you're spending your whole life and you've been presenting and giving, your time, your financial worth, you've been giving everything about you, has those gifts, has that giving, has it been about you? Or has it been about the one you're giving it to? Is it more than just a tax write-off? And maybe, if it's you this morning that's been refusing and you're saying no, There is no way that somebody else is going to come in and run my life. What's holding you back from saying, you know what, maybe I am messed up. Maybe there are things about me that need to be given over. What's holding you back this morning from saying, Lord Jesus, here's my heart, it's dirty, here's my soul, it's spotted, here's my mind. It is so filthy. But I want you to take it. Because I know that if I keep living the way that I'm living, I'm never going to be anything more than a joke. So Lord, here I am. Take me. Mold me, form me, make me. But most of all, use me to bring glory to your name. Amen? So church, this morning, I challenge you to not leave those back doors unless some decisions are being made in your heart about one, who God wants you to be. Two, about what He desires for your life. But three, the blessing that you're missing out on simply because you're unbelieving, you're still searching, you've been presenting but with the wrong heart, or you're just refusing God's power. Whatever it is this morning, let Him be, Lord. He's so good at it. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, we love you, Lord. Sometimes we don't understand how you work, but that's okay because in your words you tell us that your ways are higher than our ways, your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So Lord, we understand this morning that we're not God. You are, and you're really good at it. Lord, if we're like the disciples this morning, Lord, we've been following you around, we've been doing your work, we've been presenting our hearts, Lord, that's great, but I pray that we've been doing it for your name and not ours. Lord, if we're like the, the shepherds this morning, we're out in the fields and we've been doing our job and we've been doing our life and we've been doing everything that we're used to doing with school and work, friends and family. Lord, we've got hobbies, we've got sports we like. Everything's normal. Lord, I pray this morning you show up and you show out. Help us to start searching for your face instead of ours. And this morning I pray that if we're like King Herod and we're just saying no, 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 no. Father, break that this morning and help us to say yes, yes, yes. And God, Father, Daddy, this morning, if we are like Joseph and we're hurting, we don't know what to do, we're not really sure, Lord, send us some comfort this morning, just like you sent an angel in his dream. Send it to us. Help us understand that we're going to have to be quiet, we're going to have to stand in the background. We're going to have to get out of the way just for a little bit so you can be so glorious and so powerful. So as we stand as a church body this morning, Father, we pray that you use us. Clean us up this morning. Help us repent of all of our junk because that's what we got. That's what we hold. We got junk. Father, take it this morning. You are so good. We praise your name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Amen.